You are listening to Help for HD Live, the first podcast created for families living with Huntington's and juvenile Huntington's disease. Don't forget to find us on iTunes, Blog Talk, Spotify, and iHeartRadio. You can also search over 500 archived episodes and other projects at helpforhd.org. To watch us in person, find Help for HD TV on YouTube and subscribe and ring the bell for notifications on new content. Help for HD Live is going on air in 5, 4, 3, 2, Hello, Help for HD Live is brought to you by Help for HD International and made possible by an grant from Teva Pharmaceuticals and the Griffin Foundation. I am your host, Katie Jackson, and today we are going to have Unicure on with us. But before we start into the show, I have a couple of announcements. Um, we are now open for registration for Hype. So that is our highly interactive participant education days. And those were scheduled to be in physical, physical education days, and now we've had to move them to virtual due to the pandemic. Um, our first one we took place in May, and it was a huge success. Uh, we had so many questions that were submitted for our panel of experts that we have decided now to um, go in and, um, and have people submit questions on specific topics. So on July 11th, we will be doing Hype um, virtual, and the topics will be genetics. So you can enter any uh, questions about testing at risk, life planning, um, family planning, talking to children about Huntington's disease, genetics, and also with our new virtual uh, kind of life that we're living is genetic counseling before testing. You know, is that now virtual? Are we swabbing and sending in test results opposed to um, what we used to do in the clinic? So these are all new questions that will be answered um, by our, um, our, our panel of experts. And, of course, we have um, – Mara on that with us, who is an amazing genetic counselor. And then August 15th, we will have um, the uh, uh, emphasis will be on caregiving. So that's what we will be doing on August 15th. And then, of course, symposium, uh, the final decision has been made that it will be virtual this year. So we will not be going to Orlando, Florida in 2020, unfortunately, for our final event, but we will be coming to you uh, live for two days virtually. Um, from the comfort of your own home, and our promise is that we will bring it back um, to you guys um, in, uh, uh, I'm sorry, right, well, we will be in 2021. We will go physical symposium um, for uh, Orlando. We will keep it the same, so that way we get to come and see the people we have already promised um, that we will be there. So, we are waiting for um, Mr. Capusta to come on for, with us today, and he is the uh, CEO of Unicure, and we can jump in to the Phase 1-2 trial that has just started um, at Unicure. So let me see if he's on here with us. Hello? Hello. It's... Mr. Capusa, is this you? It's... Yeah, I'm here. Oh, thank... we got you. Thank you so much for joining us today. No problem. Thanks for having me. Yeah, so let's just jump right into the show. Um, 
Unicure released a very exciting press release a couple of weeks ago regarding the first two patients went under surgery to start the phase 1-2 trial using AMT-130, a potential future treatment for Huntington's disease. Can you please tell us a little bit more about AMT-130 and what possible benefit it may have for the HD community in the future? Yeah, sure. So, again, thanks for having me. So, AMT-130 is intended to be a one-time administered gene therapy uh, that will be administered directly to the site's of the brain that are implicated in Huntington's disease pathology. So uh, we have a gene therapy construct that is delivered uh, by a benign AAV capsid uh, that is designed to transfect the cells in the brain. Uh, it binds to the messenger RNA uh, that, uh, that ultimately leads to the creation of the mutant Huntington protein, it degrades that messenger RNA, and then ultimately suppresses the protein, again, in those areas of the brain where the disease manifests. So as I mentioned, it's a, it's a one-time administered therapy. Um, we've tested this, uh, this construct probably over six years in four to five different animal species uh, that include uh, diseased animal models, some of the largest diseased animals that are available, and we've shown that we can safely uh, administer this product directly to those areas of the brain and that we can lead to suppression of the mutant protein at levels that we think are therapeutically relevant. So what's embedded in this in AMT-130 is a proprietary one-time gene silencing technology that we call MyCure uh, that relies mm -hmm. on some proprietary technologies um, that we believe improve the potential safety of the, of the construct as well as the potential efficacy of the product. And we can talk about those things a little bit later. Yeah. So this is very exciting. I remember when we, we heard about Unicure years ago, my, uh, my husband actually just passed away from Huntington's, but we, we learned about a one-time treatment and, and I, I thought to myself, wow, that brain, you know, brain surgery, that's the FDA. And I, I figured there was, probably a lot that was going to come. So if we could get into a little bit about this exciting news that there actually has been two patients that have had the surgery. Um, where are the clinical trial sites right now? Yeah, so there are six um, clinical strikes, excuse me, six clinical sites that are currently active. Uh, the study is going to take place exclusively in the United States. Um, there's a variety of sites uh, that include uh, Johns Hopkins, it includes Ohio State University, it includes uh, University of California uh, at San Francisco, um, Virginia Commonwealth University. There, there's a host of sites that um, you, you know, anybody can see on the FDA uh, clinicaltrials.gov site. Uh, so we would intend probably uh, this year to have close to nine, possibly more sites in the study. Three of those sites will be surgical sites with some leading um, neurosurgeons, and then the remainder of the sites will be uh, referral sites where patients can get referred uh, for the procedure. And so what happens now that the first two patients have actually received this surgery? What happens to those two patients? So those two patients are, you know, they, they received um, their procedures, um, they are, you know, they've been discharged from the hospital. 
Um, they're going to uh, be conducting follow-up visits. So uh, I believe there's a 14-day, a 30-day, and a 90-day follow-up visits where you know, we will perform a variety of, of tests and evaluations. Um, the information from those uh, follow-up visits during the first 90 days will then be um, amalgamated and presented to our data safety monitoring board. Um, and they will evaluate the data and then uh, give us the green light, presumably to then move to the third and fourth patients in the study. And those patients will be followed up, um, you know, in the study. You know, those first two patients will be followed up in the, stu in the study, depending on if they receive drug or if they're in the control group, they'll be followed up for somewhere between 18 months and, uh, and five years. Wow, okay. And so is there, I'm, I'm, I know this is novel, this is, but is there a potential risk, risk to this treatment? And is this kind of like this type of surgery that's being done? Has this been done before? Is this, a, is this like a technique that's, that's been done or is it brand new? Yeah, I mean, the, the reality is there's risks, um, you know, to any investigational therapy, really. I mean, any single investigational therapy, there's, there's some risks. But that is why, you know, we spent such an enormous amount of time really evaluating this. Um, you know, we've run um, an extraordinary amount of experiments, um, you know, both in vitro and in vivo to really evaluate, um, you know, largely the safety and potential efficacy of the product. Um, and that included a, um, you know, a, a formal GLP safety toxicology study in non-human primates um, where, you know, we, we evaluated the data and, um, you know, and this included the, the actual procedure that we're, we're using, and I'll get to that in a second, in the study. And it showed that in comparison of the, of the drug arm of that non-clinical study to the what we call vehicle um, or placebo arm, you know, there were really no meaning, meaningful safety or, or toxicology findings at all. Um, so we're really excited about that aspect. There's no doubt that safety is, is of paramount importance in this study. Um, now, in terms of the procedure itself, um, the procedure is very much akin to what is used in deep brain stimulation uh, or in some mm -hmm. cases used in the infusion of chemotherapy for patients that might have glioblastoma. So it, it, is, a, um, it is an infusion through very small burr holes in the head. Uh, it is delivered by a catheter that at the tip of the catheter is the size of a human hair, and it's introduced very slowly so that it very, sl very slowly spreads the interstitial layers of the brain. And then the infusion happens um, also very slowly to ensure that there's no, or, uh, no inflammation or other nefarious effects in the brain. And, you know, a, a lot of the, um, the usage of real-time MRI and surgical virtual surgical planning and the techniques of providing access into those areas of the brain are, are pretty similar to what is done with deep brain stimulation, as I mentioned. Okay. Yeah. So, and I think you already, I think you already mentioned this, um, Mr. Capista, but um, how long is it before the next, um, so these first two, you said 90 days, and then will the next round of patients start right away or? Yeah, so by design in the protocol, 
this was agreed upon with the with the FDA um, between the first two patients and the next two patients, and between those se- that second pair of patients and the remaining patients in the first cohort, we have 90-day staggers, and that is to uh, to demonstrate perioperative safety of the procedure before we we get into those uh, patients later on in the dose cohort. So again, just to repeat this because it's important, we have the two patient procedures that we announced recently. We have the 90-day stagger, we have a data safety monitoring board meeting, and then a green light. Then all of that happens again, right, with the third and fourth patient, 90-day stagger, a second DSMB meeting, and then a green light. And then after that, we have six more patients in the first cohort, um, and they are randomized two to one favoring treatment. And so that will round out the first cohort of 10 patients, six of which will be treated and four uh, will receive an imitation surgery procedure. And then shortly after that 10 patient, uh, we have a third DSMB meeting, and then we can escalate to a second dose in the study. And just to, you know, with all of this research that we've done, we anticipate that the first dose is consistent with what we saw in the animal studies would be a 50% suppression of the mutant protein in the deep structures of the brain where the disease manifests, but we also get projection of the, of, um, of the gene therapy and the microRNAs to the cortical regions of the brain, which can also be implicated in the disease. And we would expect in that first dose, approximately a 25% suppression of the mutant protein. And then the second dose cohort would be analogous to a 75% suppression of the mutant protein in the deep structures and about a 50% suppression in the somatomotor cortex. Wow. Okay. And so this is an 18 month. So, so when is maybe an expected date? I know this is probably really hard to answer with all these different being in a trial that maybe that the first, these first rounds would be good to go to the FDA for the data to go to the FDA. Yeah, I, so, yeah, I mean, obviously, we, we're just initiating the phase one, two study. I mean, the primary goal of this study is, of course, to demonstrate the safety and tolerability of AMT-130, but we do have um, a very significant uh, number of exploratory endpoints, and those endpoints include uh, biomarkers as well as, mm-hmm. you know, the traditional clinical data. So we're looking at biomarkers uh, that can be determined through cerebral spinal fluid specimens, we're looking at um, anatomical imaging, so we're going, to be, we're going to be evaluating at every follow-up visit the volume of various regions in the brain and comparing that to baseline. And then we have some very interesting functional anatomical imaging using MRS that can look at neuronal function and inflammation. Uh, and, then, and then beyond that, we have um, you know, a number of clinical endpoints that are going to be evaluating, in some cases, purely motor symptoms, um, and then in other cases, a composite of motor, neurocognitive, psychiatric, and behavioral symptoms over time. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, and so that's just, that's really, it's amazing. My husband was in a trial that they did the um, spinal fluid, and they were looking at biomarkers. So the patients, I mean, thank, thank you to all the patients that are participating in it, because it's, it's, a, it's, a it's a big deal, and it's historic, and, but they're going to they're gonna undergo a lot of um, observations. So Thankfully, the thank always thankful to those brave patients that are willing to be a part oh, of a trial absolutely. like this. Absolutely, yeah. to, to you know all the patients, certainly those initial patients, 
and, um, and their investigators and their families that have provided them all the support. Um, I mean, we are really, really excited about AMT 130. Um, it's such a high clinical unmet need, and um, you know, we've been really focused to try to expedite this study um, you know, for the benefit of patients. I mean, that's why we do what we do. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's so interesting. We're always, when we hear about these trials as a community, we're always like, well, win, 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 right? We're always asking when, because time is simply something we don't have. Um, you know, it's my husband lived with Huntington's for 14 years and it went by so fast and, and he, but so slow too, right? They're slow and fast. But now I'm looking at my children who are at risk. So when we're so desperate and asking why and when we did this, when we went to the FDA, you know, win, 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 and we need it now is because it's it's truly something that time is something we don't have. So this is exciting whenever we hear that it's moving into human trial um, because we watch these trials back, you know, when they are just in a dish um, on a bench. So um, it's really excited, exciting for all of us when we get to this point. Um, and then, so my next question is, and this is, and I and I I want to make this clear, you know, this is in inclusion and exclusion criteria. When we talk about that, this is for the trials. And I think a lot of people, whenever we do these shows, they get very disappointed when they hear about inclusion and exclusion criteria for clinical trials because they think, oh, we'll never be able to have this. That's not what the, that means. This is this is for this clinical trial. That doesn't mean if AMT 130 in years from now becomes available that this is inclusion exclusion criteria. Forever. Right, right. So this, no, that's yeah, a, this is just a really for the trial. It's a really good point because I can tell you that, you know, our vision with a one-time administered gene therapy is ultimately to have a treatment available before patients become symptomatic, right? Because one of the things that we know is that, you know, you had mentioned, you know, that Huntington's patients and their families don't have the luxury of time. And, and we know that medically because what we can see is that, um, you know, their prognosis and their atrophy within the brain really does progress, you know, fairly meaningfully. And that the idea is to medically intervene before patients have symptoms, right? We, we don't want them to get sick. And with a one-time administered product, we think that the possibility of administering it prodromally, I think, is, is a real vision that we think, you know, we potentially can realize for the study, though, right, and it is a phase one, two study, you know, there is a myriad of inclusion, exclusion criteria, and that, you know, that covers uh, the amount of CAG repeats. It includes, um, you know, that we're going into stage one or stage two patients, so more advanced patients, um, you know, would likely not be included uh, in this particular study. Uh, we do have a, a striatal volume uh, minimum requirement to ensure that, um, that the procedure is going to be as safe as possible, as well as potentially effective as possible, so that they have viable um, uh, tissue within the brain that we can transduce and preserve. So there are you know, a number of inclusion exclusion criteria as there are in any study in order to ensure that we're properly selecting patients to, to really evidence whether the therapy is effective and certainly safe. But you're absolutely correct that the idea would be to, you know, if we're, if we're so lucky as to really demonstrate that this works and to bring this to the market, the idea would be to try to craft the studies in such a way that we can provide as much access as we possibly can to the patient community. Yeah, absolutely. 
yeah, and prodromal, like you were saying, would be the would be the best case scenario. I know that it's always so interesting when um, we go into the advanced stage or like these, you know, all the ethics of, of of this. And you know, I'm sure you guys have large ethical boards and stuff that talk. And we talk as community members a lot about the ethics. But definitely, this would be a very exciting treatment for someone who is in the prodromal phases if we can get it approved and get it to market, which is the ultimate goal. That's right. Um, yeah. So um, last week, Unicure announced that you've entered an agreement for up to $2 billion to license the global rights to your hemophilia gene therapy, and that Unicure expects to use the funding to significantly accelerate and expand its pipeline into innovative gene therapies, including advancing the phase 1-2 study of AMT-130 in Huntington's disease. How will this deal impact your plans for AMT-130? Yeah, so, um, you know, we were obviously very excited about the transaction that we did. I mean, our, mm-hmm. you know, at, at Unicure, we really do have a sense of urgency to get our gene therapies uh, to as many patients as fast as, pos- as possible and as efficiently as possible. And uh, we really did feel that partnering uh, for hemophilia B, given the, the dynamics of that particular market, was the right way to accomplish that. You know, in this transaction, um, we would expect, you know, at the closing of this transaction to have on a pro forma basis, um, you know, over $700 million of cash. And, you know, these, these studies are not cheap, as you might imagine, sure. um, you know, and, and, and to really demonstrate in a registrational study, um, you know, that AMT 130 works and to really get this to the market as fast as possible really requires a meaningful amount of capital and a meaningful amount of focus. And so, you know, we feel that this collaboration uh, with CSL for hemophilia B really enables us to do both. Um, you know, we have a partner that is going to handle the, the global commercialization of our hemophilia B gene therapy uh, that is in late stage study. And it provides us the capital uh, to really try to accelerate the production of data that supports the safety, tolerability, and efficacy of the product, and then to try to drive this into late-stage testing as fast as possible. So I think that the I do think while the transaction uh, was specifically around hemophilia B, that the resources and focus that this provides Unicure, um, I think really behooves and benefits our AMT-130 clinical program. That's fantastic. Yes, that. That it takes the, it takes the whole team, doesn't it? And it, and it's I think it's so um, I love the focus is that it, to accelerate because we as families know we we need that um, more than anything. And to have a company look and, and understand our needs as a community and how um, time is something we don't have and to accelerate as fast as possible really means a lot to us. Um, the understanding. Um, of what our families' needs are. So I think that that is, this is fantastic news. Um, I, we can't wait to watch in the future, and please keep us updated with everything going on. And before we get off, Matthew, is there any final thoughts you have? Or did we cover everything? No, I think, um, you know, I, I just um, can't emphasize enough our excitement about this therapy, that we're so delighted to finally be in the human testing phase. And again, as you mentioned, to thank all the patients and the investigators for their continued support and then thank you and much of the, of the uh, people that devote a lot of their time and energy into organizing around this community for all of your support. Um, 
you know, we're going to need it all. Um, and we promise that, you know, we'll be committed to, uh, to bringing this therapy to the market as fast as we possibly can. Yeah, well, thank you so much. That's a great note to leave on. And we are here as a community. We are probably, as you've learned, the most supportive community you can work with, and we will uh, stand by you and do whatever is possible to help get this uh, therapy hopefully one day to market. That is the goal. Well, thank you so much, Matthew, for coming on with us today, and thank everyone at Unicure for all of your guys's a tremendous amount of hours of work you're putting in for our community. It means a lot to us. Um, so I think we covered the news in the beginning. Uh, for any other thing that you guys need as far as registrations for education events or anything, just go to www.help4hd.org. So until next week. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Thank you for listening. Don't forget to visit www.help4hd.org and sign up for our email newsletter to stay up to date on all that is going on at Help for HD. Get social with us and like us on Facebook. Follow us on Instagram and subscribe to Help for HD TV on YouTube and ring the bell for notifications. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. So you've got an idea for a business. The store of your dreams. There's just one thing to figure out. Everything. That's why Shopify's all-in-one commerce platform makes it easy to sell online, in person, and everywhere else. Sell on social media. Source products with an app to get that first sale feeling. It's the only solution that gives you everything you need to sell everywhere you want. So when you're ready to bring your idea to life, power it up with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash listen. 